Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs, and today we get to talk to Annabel Olera. Annabel is a full professor at the University of Seville, where he's the head of the Robotics, Vision, and Control Group. He also receives engineering and doctorate degrees from Seville. So Annabel's biography is long and pretty impressive. He's a prolific author, having co-authored more than 635 papers, and he has written nine books, including uh, Intelligent Mobile Robot Navigation. So his current research is largely around advanced aerial robotics, including coordination and manipulation. And with drones becoming so popular, Annabelle is probably one of the leading researchers in the world in the space. So we're lucky to have him today. So Annabelle, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. And uh, before we get going on your current research, can you just give us a little overview um, on your background and what you did um, before getting into aerial robotics? Yeah, yeah. I, I, as you mentioned, I studied uh, electrical engineering here at the University of Seville. But later, I got some grants and I moved around. So I was in other universities in Spain, but also in France, in Toulouse, and also in in the USA. I was in Carnegie Mellon in the Robotics Institute, and then I was working there in robotics. So that means that. Uh, I learned from different environments. Um, I also was a full professor in different Spanish universities. And I have been collaborating for many years with the company. So I also learned from the companies about uh, the project that they are interested in and the application that they want to have. So that means that I am not only, let's say, academic. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, and what? Uh, how did you first start getting getting into robotics? Or and what what interested you in robotics originally? Yeah, I I was uh, when I was um, in working in my PhD in the University of Seville. The department was related with um, automatic control and automation and so there is some robotics uh, relation. But I think that later at uh, to lose at last and later in Carnegie Mellon Robotic Institute were my main sources of interest for uh, sources on information and also motivate my research in robotics. Particularly my state at Carnegie Mellon Robotic Institute was crucial for that. Okay. And what, what year were you at uh, Carnegie or what, what years were you at Carnegie Mellon? Sorry? Or when were you at the Carnegie Mellon? When? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was in I was in nineteen ninety one, okay. these two years. Later in the nineties, in the summer uh, seasons, I were there for three or four uh, summers. So that means that I maintained the contacts and relations and uh, for a number of years. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. In the nineties. Okay. Actually. Interesting. And and before we get into your current research, I, I'm curious. Growing up, were you a curious kid? Like, what were you interested in? Before, yeah, you we... mean the topics that I were interested? I always have been interested in field robotics. So that means aerial robotics is uh, 
relevant or the crucial, the most important topic for me. But before I were also inter- I, we were also interested in other field robotics topics, like for example applications of uh, um, let's say um, agriculture, forestry, and so on. So that means field robotics was also a topic in which I were I was working. Okay, and can you uh, give us? I mean, you have a lot going on in this space in robotics and in aerial robotics, especially. Can you give us? an overview of some of the research programs that you have going on currently? You mean in aerospace robotics in general, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, in in Carnegie Mellon, I was working in um, rovers for space exploration and so on. So that means that uh, this was robotics, but let's say now we can understand, uh, let's say, with wheels or legged locomotion that is not flying. But at the same time, I started to explore these uh, UAVs and aerial robotics stuff. And also later, I have been always working with, uh, let's say, aeronautic companies, for example. I have been working with Airbus for many years, uh, dealing with application of robotics in the manufacturing processes, I mean, aircraft manufacturing. So we have a number of applications also related to robotics in aircraft manufacturing, which is something that is, uh, I don't know if you know, but it's pretty manual. So it's not a lot of automation there. They need some kind of uh, application of robotics in such a way that we can perform better the aircraft manufacturing in the future. Oh, interesting. So you're helping, uh, you've been helping Airbus essentially automate some of their manufacturing by bringing in robots to do specific yeah, yeah, yeah. tasks. I, Interesting. I was, yeah. I was, I have been also working on the application of manufacturing robotics to, to aircraft. I want to link with the aerial robotics, but this is more in the future. So we are also exploring how to apply in aircraft manufacturing aerial robotics. So that means huh. how to apply uh, small in the, in, let's say, in the, because you know that they have few uh, plans for uh, aircraft manufacturing, and they have a lot of problems related with, for example, logistics. So the, we would like to have this uh, by using also aerial robot, but this is the future. Interesting. All right. So you want to bring aerial robotics into the manufacturing process to kind of help with it? Yes, this is what I am saying. Wow. Okay. So how would, how you know? Can you describe a use case or how how could aerial robotics help with the manufacturing process? That's really interesting. Well, this is quite different. What uh, many kind of UAV applications? The first that you need is uh, something that can be used for exact uh, or precise, accurate enough positioning and so on inside inside the factories without having GPS and so on. But other very important aspects are related with uh, safety for the people. Okay. So safety means that we need a different uh, kind of UAVs to interact with the people indoor in such a way that they can still have some, uh, let's say, uh, possibility to fly without colliding or without, in case of last uh, colliding, then we can have some kind of... Uh, uh, energy absorption for the UAV, in other words, uh, avoid to avoid damages to people or objects and so on. And this is something that is uh, 
needed for the future. Yeah. And would the yeah, I've never thought about using UAVs in the manufacturing process. Would they would the UAVs uh, carry parts, or uh, what would they? How would it help with the manufacturing process? Yeah, they they can use they can use they can carry small parts. So that means that there is very um, a large number of small parts that are needed in the manufacturing processes, and then they can these UAVs come. Small UAVs and with a special configuration can provide. That's true. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Well, that's a good idea. And uh, I, I'm curious, what other um, projects are you working on that are a little kind of uh, future forward thinking, like the one you just described with UAVs and manufacturing? What other projects are you currently working on? Yeah, this this was uh, well. First, first, let me conclude there. Yeah. The first is uh, done in a project which is called Europe, which European Robotic Challenges, okay. in which we propose to have this together with Airbus in the Europe European Robotic Challenges. So first, we want to demonstrate navigation capabilities and positioning capabilities and so on. And later, we will going to apply next year with Airbus in a use case. Okay, just just to conclude oh, this. No, but now let me say, okay. let me say that, that my main activity now could be uh, possibly uh, aerial robotic manipulation, and this is natural because having working in UAVs for many years, twenty years working on UAVs, but also working at the same time with uh, robotic manipulators. Now the objective in the last five years have been to have both together. So that means to be uh, aerial manipulators that combine these two technologies, combine UAV technology and also combine um, aerial manipulation, sorry, uh, robotic manipulation. So we are uh, now developing uh, aerial manipulation system with uh, one or more arms to perform manipulation while flying, for example, without need of uh, landing, just flying. This is one possibility mm. that we are applying now uh, and we are developing the, let's say, uh, first aerial uh, robots with uh, one or more with multiple degrees of freedom uh, robotic arms. Interesting. Yeah, and I saw some videos that you have which are pretty amazing, which we'll try to post when we post this uh, podcast that you have up on uh robotic manipulation so can you uh kind of describe like a use case or one of the projects you're working on that that uh yeah yeah in, in our case we developed uh, the very first uh, aerial robots with uh, several degrees of freedom arms of six or seven degrees of freedom are for um, aerial uh, manipulation in with this manipulator we are able to uh, avoid or to compensate the perturbation due to aerodynamic effects and so on. Otherwise, you are not able to perform aerial manipulation because having very special devices, you can do something, but in other cases, you need more abilities to compensate uh, this uh, aerodynamic perturbation so you can fly and manipulate at the same time. Um, this was ARCAS, but now we are working on AeroArms, which is the follow uh, project, also European project, in which we want to perform first advanced 
um, aerial manipulation with uh, eventually more than one arm. So we want we are developing now aerial manipulator with a couple of arms in such a way that we can perform more advanced manipulation capabilities. But this is first. But the second is that we are also looking to industrial applications. So the idea is not only to develop this uh, prototype, but also to apply in industrial environment. And one application that we want to perform is for inspection and maintenance. So that means that uh, we need to be in contact, not just take data and photograph with the sensor, but for example, to, to have contact inspection in such a way that we can perform this inspection by maintaining the contact with the pipes, for example, of the surfaces, or even to install a sensors in the pipe in such a way that this sensor can provide uh, data later. Or even more, we are uh, deploying small robots, very high, in such a way that these small robots can operate autonomously for longer time than flying. So that means we want to transport and deploy small robots in the pipes, uh, let's say 10 or 20 meters high, and accessible sites. And then when they finish, we can again pick these small robots and transport back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, interesting. And yeah. and so by having contact with the pipes, are they able to, would they have a sensor on them to whether the test for, I don't know, would it be rust or uh, vibrations or? Yeah. Yeah, what would they be? Yeah, for example. Yeah. Yeah, an analysis like, for example, ultrasonics analysis need to maintain the contact with the surface. Mm. For example, to study, for example, if there is any cracks on the, let's say, the you you want to analyze in the pipe uh, how is uh, the pipe in terms of uh, the let's say how is uh, the the, the contamination and then how is the, the attack of the chemicals in the pipe? You want to see how is uh, the way the state of the the state of the pipe in such a way that you want to to measure uh, the the wall. How is the wall? And then you can use this analysis by using ultrasonic eddy current, which is another sensor, which is a, a, a electrical sensor to measure uh, the walls of the pipes, and then you are able to do that, but that means that you need a contact with the pipe. And in order to have this contact, we use these uh, aerial manipulators. Interesting. All right, so let's dig into that use case a little bit more, because that, that sounds tough. So let's say you're at a, a large refinery. I don't know if that would be a potential, you know, they have a lot of pipes at least. So you're at a, a large uh, refinery. How, can you kind of walk us through how, you know, from beginning to end, how the UAV would take off and know the exact route and then know where to test the pipes? Like, how do you program that? Well, we have uh, the project experts in uh, um, end users and experts on how to inspect the pipes and then they uh, provide the information for planning. Then we have a plan for the aerial robot 
And then we know that it is interesting to perform uh, some particular operation uh, under the monitoring or under the supervision of the operators that are on ground. But uh, from the inspection plan, we prepare a plan for the robots. And then this, uh, this plan are essentially to get the information that they want. Gotcha. And and how how do you what's involved with that plan? You, so you probably have a flight plan, flight plan, but how does the UAV how does the UAV know where to fly? Like let's say in a refinery, because um, you know you can't use GPS. Um, how do you uh, yes. coordinate that? Yes, but not always. So that means first we need a very detailed map of uh, where the UAV is going to operate. So that means that in some cases, this map is not accurate enough, or there is some sections of the plant or the pipe that are not uh, uh, with uh, enough accuracy. Then we first, we need to fly and build this very accurate map. Only with this very accurate map, we can plan this detailed inspection. And yes, I have to say that in some of the areas, we cannot have direct or good GPS signal. So that means that we need to apply a simultaneous localization and mapping technique, what uh, we robotics people know, like SLAM, simultaneous localization and mapping. And then you are able to navigate and at the same time, build the map that we need. So that means that uh, this is the first phase, which is uh, the build accurate map, and this is needed for the intervention of the flying uh, manipulators. Uh, and later, you can always have some unexpected events, and then you need to know how to react to these unexpected events. Interesting. And, and how do you create that? localized indoor map um i mean do you put sensors around the indoor space or uh, is it more based on um you know the uav will understand hey i went uh, 10 meters this way now i need to or yeah how is that uh, how do you build that localized map well the first concept is just to uh, localize it or to locate yourself with respect to the uh, pipes. So that means that uh, you need the cameras and laser sensors in such a way that map what you have around. And then when you have this and you have some known points where it can be localized, these points, then you are uh, transforming the relative local maps to more global maps. And then you are able to perform these experiments um, locating the points in global coordinates. But the first is to fly and to refine the map that you may have from the beginning with more local information in such a way that you are able to localize inside this uh, huh. inside this plant. Interesting, interesting. That's a, that's a tough problem. That's that's cool. Okay, and okay. So after you create this localized map and the UAV has an idea of where it's going. Um, can you, uh, how, and let's say it's going to go to this certain, you know, pipe 1A, you know, which is 10 meters off the ground. 
and the UAV knows that's where it needs to go. But how do you coordinate kind of the the landing and like the with the vision system, um, so that it can attach yeah, to the pipe? Yeah, the plan is relevant, and you may need uh, more than one because, as you mentioned, the time of flight of this uh, system that we have now is uh, not enough to perform the full uh, inspection. So that means that we have to plan and to perform some measurements um, or some inspection and then fly back, and at the same time, other can take off and fly to the other, let's say, uh, to continue the inspection and so on. So this is not uh, so easy um, because also we cannot uh, fly a lot of time. And then that means that uh, we need to combine the, the capacities of several UAVs. Interesting. Wow. Okay. And how far along are you on with this uh, research? We plan that before three years, we will be able to test the system in real plants. That means that we should be able to test, to start to test next year, and we will finish this project in two more years, in which we plan to have real experiments in industrial plants. Well, that's exciting. Wow, that's all right. That's pretty cool. I mean, so... The vision could be to have many UAVs flying around plants doing uh, safety checks and equipment checks and pipe checks, and that would be uh, yeah. that'd be fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So I understand that oil and gas could be uh, a more critical plan because you also have to take into account the ATEX certification, anti-explosive, mm-hmm. and so on. But this is not the only application. We are also inspecting, for example, bridges. So we are able to inspect uh, infrastructure, and we have another another project to inspect bridges. So that means that yeah. you are able to fly under in the underside of the bridge and perform ultrasonic inspection of the bridge by the underside. So this is another project that we are also working. Wow. Okay. How far along are you on along with that project? This project is a one-year-old project, and again, we plan to have the very first experiment in 2017. So we will be inspecting some bridges in few months. Um, the preliminary experiments will be uh, pretty soon. So even we will have some preliminary experiments in the next weeks. Interesting. And with bridges, can you – I mean, you're going underneath the bridges. Can you use GPS or uh... – I imagine GPS might be pretty hard to get once you get under a bridge. Or are you using a, a local, a different localization technology to um, to map the bridge? You can use the GPS when you are approaching the beach, yep. uh, the the bridge, but you cannot when you are uh, below because the accuracy, even if you have some signals from the satellite, you will have never the accuracy enough to to be autonomous. So that means that you need to have other different positioning techniques under the bridge. Gotcha. And that's where the the lasers and the computer vision can come into play. And then maybe a 3D model of the bridge even, I suppose, could help. That's true. That's true. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. 
and so we're uh, so we're we're almost done with this podcast unfortunately but uh i i was curious it, it, i know you've worked with other companies and that you've transferred different technology to other companies do you have uh any more examples of technology that you have uh transferred to companies in your past which one? Oh, I I, I was curious if you, if you have uh, more examples of technology that you've tra- if you've transferred to companies yes. that you've developed. Yes, we have been we have been working in ground robots, for example, in order to inspect uh, aircrafts. We also develop um, robots to be used by Airbus in the inspection of the aircraft in the manufacturing huh. processes. This is something that uh, also we did, but um, we have also in in different fields in, in which uh, we have been applying, for example, uh, and also we transfer in the UAV world, we transfer, for example, guidance in uh, navigation and control techniques to some companies and ground station. We also develop ground stations for some companies and we transferred this ground station to the companies in order to control the UAVs. All these are uh, examples of technology transfer. But as I mentioned before, I have other technology transfer in the field of the agriculture or the forestry. Hmm, interesting. You've uh, you've been busy over the years. Wow. Yeah, you have quite the quite the robotics experience. And uh, I wish uh, I've got many more questions for you, but uh, maybe maybe another time. But uh, uh, but Annabelle, I really appreciate you uh, coming on our show and telling us more about your background and what you're doing now. I mean, you're really pushing the boundaries with UAVs, which is uh, exciting. And uh, yeah, so it, it, you're doing all the hard work. You're doing all the advanced hard work. That's for sure. Well, we have to combine advanced hardware and software. For example, in this new field, which is, in my opinion, aerial uh, manipulation, we can we need to combine advanced hardware and software. We hope that in the future we will have uh, also the integration of uh, different other fields, like, for example, very light material. We need also more energy because the energy limitation that we have now is uh, very significant. So we need to, let's say, to combine our technologies with other technologies for the future, for new applications. Mm-hmm. That's clear. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I'll be excited to uh, check out your uh, progress in the future and uh, see what you uh, produce. So I might uh, check back in in a year or two and to see how things are going. <laughs> Yes. And uh, definitely. Okay. Well, I, Annabelle, I really appreciate your t- time and thoughts. And uh, good luck with the, the, the future of UAVs. And, uh, and thanks you to everyone for, for listening to the episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Annabelle, for coming on. Thank you. Bye.